Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. Andrade requests his release. AEW wrestler reportedly undergoes knee surgery, and I take you through my predictions for tonight, Impact Sacrifice. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode, and remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com, and if you want to hear more from me give me a follow on twitter and instagram at jaden becker tv yesterday was friday night smackdown but before we get into that let's check out our news andrade requests his release from the wwe he removed wwe references from his twitter account today oh yesterday for that matter and it's been reported he's not been brought up in any of the creative meetings according to a report from dave Meltzer of the wrestling observer WWE has denied Andrade's request to be released. Andrade hasn't been on television since the draft last year, and it's a shame to see, given the fact that the amount of television time WWE has from Raw, from NXT to SmackDown, they can't get him on air, is an absolute travesty, an absolute, absolute, absolute travesty. Andrade deserves to be on TV or released to move on to, uh, I wouldn't say greener pastures, but maybe something for him that would make some greener pastures because he is a fantastic talent. That is my my own personal commentary on that. AEW wrestler reportedly undergoes knee surgery. AEW star Anthony Bowens of The Acclaimed has undergone surgery and could be back in action within the next two months. The hope is AEW is going to get Bowens back in action around six to eight weeks from now. Get well soon. Bowens, always like to see him back, but uh, uh, Caster Max Caster has been uh, very very nice, and he did he did have one nice bar at, at Revolution. He had a whole good freestyle at Revolution, so I'll give him credit there for Caster on that one. Looking at last night's Friday night SmackDown, Edge opened the show, and you know it's a, you flip the coin, it's either going to be Edge or it's going to be uh, Roman Reigns, and this time it was Edge. Uh, He makes rebuttals to Roman Reigns' comments from weeks past and also does make some rebuttals to Daniel Bryan. And he's just going to wait and see who he's going to face at WrestleMania, whether that is Daniel Bryan or Roman Reigns. Daniel Bryan enters, and uh, Daniel Bryan thought that he would get praise from Edge when standing up for himself last week. Bryan wants another shot at WrestleMania, always claiming that this might be his last one. Edge says to Daniel Bryan, you're better than this, but you're not better than me. I feel like uh, we've already had a Daniel Bryan coming back story. You know, WrestleMania 30. That was Daniel Bryan's moment underneath the sun. I don't see another. I don't need to see another Daniel Bryan underdog story again. We already saw it at WrestleMania 30, and, and that was probably the greatest booked, accidentally booked, if you will. I guess they had to fix it. For the fans, you know, we all know the story with WrestleMania 30 with Daniel Bryan being put into the main event after defeating Triple H in the open of WrestleMania 30. They figured out a way to make sure that Daniel Bryan got over on that night, and oh boy, did he get over. And obviously with some career-threatening injuries, that was a, always a, an issue that we all noticed uh, with Daniel Bryan, especially with how he wrestles. And to this day, it kind of scares me as well, especially with some of the bumps that he takes. But you look at Daniel Bryan, and currently as we see, Daniel Bryan needs to find his way back into some way, shape, or form of a title picture, but it is a travesty uh, in a sense that 
uh, we haven't seen Daniel Bryan really uh, be pushed in a, in a direction uh, one way or another. So uh, it's nice to see Edge as well get into some confrontation, and we will definitely see towards the end of the night how the, all that confrontation ends up looking. Looking at our first match of the night, the Street Profits and the Mysterio family take on Dirty Dogs and the Alpha Academy uh, in an eight-man tag team match. Do not ask me why uh, Dolph Ziggler and Otis are teaming up in any way, shape, or form. Otis and Dolph Ziggler are supposed to be mortal enemies, and the fact that Otis, just because he's a bad guy now, doesn't mean he has and doesn't still have enemies, and that enemy still is Dolph Ziggler. Just very confusing, very confused. Just because they're heels doesn't mean that they also are, are best buds now, that they get to team, tag team with each other. Very confusing. Uh, the Dirty Dogs and Alpha Academy attack the Street Profits and Mysterio family during their entrance. Dominic Mysterio taking a beating early on in the match. Angelo Dawkins enters on a hot tag and Ford ends up on the top rope but is pushed off giving the heel tag team the advantage. Chaos ensues towards the back end of the match. A double 619 from the Mysterios onto Rude and a frog splash onto Rude by Montez Ford picks up the victory for the babyface teams. Uh, the Street Profits get the win here along with the Mysterio family but uh, the pinfall victory over one half of the SmackDown Tag Team Champions is really the big story that comes from this. They said that a couple times on commentary to make sure you know that the Street Profits just pinned the the Tag Team Champions of SmackDown. So they said that a couple times to make sure that is recognized. And deservingly so. Uh, I want to see the Street Profits have the belts back on them. But at the same time, I would also like to see the Street Profits and a lot of other tag teams on SmackDown find their way into rivalries that don't revolve anywhere near the belt, much like how the New Day is currently in a rivalry with Retribution. I like that type of idea just because it doesn't force the New Day to go for belts because they already had a ton of belts. They don't need no more of the New Day. They, they had their time in the sun, and they'll continue to have their time in the sun, especially if they start booking things uh, differently instead of, I gotta go for the belt, gotta go for the belt, gotta go for the belt. I know the belts are the top prize, but you really get to develop your character and your storytelling all through rivalries that don't necessarily have to revolve a, around a championship. Nia Jax takes Reginald shopping. Uh, I know that might be an odd sentence to say and maybe not a sentence I ever think I would say on the Daily DDT podcast, but here we are. Uh, Nia Jax takes Reginald out shopping. Uh, they have a fashion montage, which I thought was absolutely hilarious with Reginald trying on different suits and all stuff like that. You know, different uh, jackets, blazers, and... Shirts, he has a couple chains on, and sometimes masters with the pants and the shoes. And Nia Jax is loving all of it. Shayna Baszler couldn't be bothered as she was drug, dragged along. And uh, Reginald wants to repay uh, Nia Jax. And uh, Nia Jax is like, Oh, I know what you could do. And, you know, they, they get into it a little bit. And uh, I actually think this was really good. I actually thought I, was, I thought it was genuinely a little bit funny. It was a nice skit. We haven't seen a, a skit from the WWE in quite some time. Uh, from from what I can remember, and you know, for them to put on a skit, I thought it, it, it was fun. It was fun for Reginald. It was fun for Nia Jax because we know Nia Jax could be a funny character, especially with all the stuff with her tailbone. I won't say the actual word, and all the stuff that she's able to do. And Reginald, I think he he could be a funny character as well when paired up with Nia Jax. I, I just no reason for them to be involved in anything. Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks, get Reginald a mile away from there, and as we see later, he's not going to be a mile away from there. But 
keep them them as way as much as possible. Let them do their own thing. And I feel like Reginald really shined here. And I also felt like Nia Jax really shined here as well because not only can she be somewhat funny outside the ring, but also we know how dominant she's been booked. She pinned Asuka. She pinned Sasha Banks, both of the champions. So she's next in line for whatever it is, Nia Jax, and uh, definitely deserving. Next match, Cesaro versus Murphy. The, we saw this match, I believe, last week, and this is the rematch of it. Uh, the battle of the uh, first names being taken away, if you will. Uh, Rollins enters prior to the match. Rollins called Cesaro the biggest waste of potential. And uh, there is some truth to that, and that's why it's sort of a notable quote. Uh, Cesaro, not any fault of Cesaro's own, but uh, just the fault of booking, if you will. But also, at the same time, if Cesaro really was that top-level guy, I feel like he would have already had a WWE title reign by now, but at least they're building it into the storyline at this point. That's how long of an ongoing joke it's been. Rollins sits at the top of the entrance ramp. Action falls outside between uh, Murphy and Cesaro, and Murphy regains some control, but a Cesaro swing, and Rollins interferes in the match, attacking Cesaro, ending the match in a disqualification. Rollins with a curb stomp to Cesaro. Rollins taunts Cesaro and then connects with the second curb stomp. And then when going for a third, Rollins uh, puts the head of Cesaro in between uh, a chair, but is then stopped by an official before he can connect. Uh, I thought this was really nice here. I think we're going to see uh, Cesaro versus Rollins at Fastlane at this point. But when Rollins was going through the curtain going towards backstage, he met Nakamura face-to-face. I think we will also see a Nakamura-Rollins match at some point as well. Uh, I wouldn't say that that match would be at WrestleMania. I think it will be a little bit further down the line because Rollins, I feel like, would have more story to tell with Cesaro after Fastlane. I don't think that will be their only one. But Rollins, uh, giving guys WrestleMania moments possibly in Cesaro and then in the future Nakamura. Nakamura, I feel like he already had his, but... You know, they'll, they'll have their moments with uh, Seth Rollins. And it'll, it'll be pretty nice. Uh, Rollins doing always, for throughout all of uh, COVID wrestling, uh, he gave Dom, Dominic Mysterio his moment. He gave Kevin Owens his moment uh, prior to, uh, well, at, at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 36. And now Seth Rollins continued to, to bless the rest of the roster, if you will, with great storytelling and being able to put on great matches. Seth Rollins is the person that could put on fantastic matches. And if he could do that with Cesaro, 100%, because Cesaro puts on great matches as well, and obviously Nakamura. We're talking about three of the greatest wrestlers in the WWE at the moment. So we all know what Rollins can do. Let's see how Cesaro and Nakamura step up to the plate as well. Next segment, the KO Show. I haven't had one of these in a while. Uh, Kevin... Owen says he's not uh, down and out yet. He's just going to keep on fighting. And I, I I don't want him to devolve back into, oh, I'm just going to keep on fighting. I'm Kevin Owens. I fight, 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 fight. That's me. I'm just the guy that fights all the time and never more goes anywhere. I felt like he actually started going somewhere with uh, Roman Reigns and really saw that passion from him. I want to continue to see that passion and I want his passion to continue to be tested. And whether that is from, I feel like a good person for that would be Samoa Joe. If he could ever get off the injured list and off of commentary. Or uh, Sami Zayn that they started to hint at. If they could really start to continue to test Kevin Owens' passion. I feel like we could really see something more from him than just, I miss the fight, man. I go and I fight people all the time. That's me. I'm Kevin Owens. I fight all the time. And. I guess it's cool if some people enjoy it, but I personally don't when it's just all, you know, I'm happy-go-lucky. I go fight all the time. 
and I end up losing matches. Uh, he introduces guests uh, Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. Uh, their match at Fastlane is still happening against Jackson Baszler. Why? I do not know. It's still mind-boggling. Uh, Kevin Owen makes a good point that uh, a tag team champions facing off against each other at WrestleMania has only happened between John Cena and Shawn Michaels. That was at WrestleMania 23. I thought that was a good narrative to at least recognize that it has happened before. I did not remember that Cena and Michaels were tag team champions at the time with each other as they headed into WrestleMania. I guess that maybe that's why WrestleMania 23 isn't as touted as a lot of the other WrestleManias, especially of that time. So, uh, but that was a good way to tie it all back together. Uh, Kevin Owens strikes a nerve uh, between the two, and the two get into each other's faces. Both have a goal of winning the tag team championships at Fastlane. But, once again, I feel like there's no reason for that, especially with a bunch of other tag teams in uh, the division that probably deserve a shot more, which we will see coming up next. Because Jackson Baszler and Reginald enter for a closer look on the match coming up, which is Natalia and Tamina taking on Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. Jax and Baszler are on commentary for this one. Belair enters and dominates Reginald's stance on the apron to stop Belair's pinfall attempt, uh, distracting the referee. Reginald stands on top of the announce table and Sasha Banks runs through the ring, thus causing a distraction and Belair loses. Uh, what? With... I, I, I get so confused, man. I get confused because it literally writes itself. Writes, you have Bianca Belair the hottest commodity coming out of NXT that anybody in the world will be excited to watch, going up against the hottest person in the WWE right now, as maybe even as a whole, uh, right up there with Roman Reigns, in Sasha Banks. You have this, it writes itself. You don't need these people to tag, like, why can't it just be built as it, it's like this is a big match? Why do they need to be buddy-buddy? Why do they need to start not liking each other? I guess, like, it, it builds up that story. That, But i I rather them just have a wrestling match. Like, I think that's what a lot of people are asking for from this match as well. We're not asking... But for other stories, we are. I, I think for Edge and Reigns, this is great. They have great dissension, and you know, especially with Edge and Daniel Bryan as well, some dissension there as well. You know, I, I think that's fun to see. But especially with how Bianca Belair has been booked in the past, where almost like a UFC fighter or a boxer, where the interviewer after a match, before a match, and especially after the match, she's heavy breathing in the middle of the ring, as if she just, you know, won a big match, like in the UFC, or the interview right after the match as well. I, I feel, I book her like that, but in a professional wrestling sense, in a way where, let these two just wrestle. Let these two just wrestle and let us appreciate it. Let us appreciate it. And then, whoever wins and comes out on top from that, then you could start building the dissension factor from it. You know? Then, they like, one person turns heel. Hopefully Banks. Right? But it, from this point, what I find so confusing is that they're, they're trying to fit these both of them into molds where they, neither of them fit because they're mold breakers. Both Banks and, and Bianca Belair. So that's my argument against anything that they do going forward with this. I, like, why is Belair losing? There's no reason for her to lose on the build to WrestleMania. Why is she being pinned? I don't get that. Same thing with Sasha Banks. Why was she pinned by Nia Jax? I guess they're making Nia Jax look real, real good. But Nia Jax ain't supposed to look that good right now, especially when Nia Jax isn't in this match between Banks 
and Belair. And why is Reginald involved still? Why? Why? That's confusing. Maybe the good thing that comes from this is that Banks and Belair find their way out of that tag team match at Fastlane. And Natalia and Tamina find their way in, especially since they did pick up the victory. So we could see that. But come on. It's pretty annoying. It's pretty annoying at this point. It wrote itself, and you just too many cooks in the kitchen, way too many people involved in the women's division. Just let these two work. And let honestly, I'd rather just see them training for their build. Or something nothing too bland, obviously, but I'd rather see them preparing for each other and winning matches for them to culminate at WrestleMania. There's no reason why either of them should be losing matches at this point. Why? Very confusing. In our next segment, Big E returns. He enters on crutches and a neck breaks and the works. It just really looks like an absolute mess after Apollo Crews dumped the stairs on him. But as he makes his way down the entrance ramps, he rips it all off on the way down. I thought that was a really, really nice look. And uh, very fun for Big E because Big E loves to do all that fun stuff as well. Uh, Big E said uh, he is made to go biblical after the actions of Apollo Crews. And Big E's anger... Heard through the microphone on the promo. I think some people enjoyed it. Personally, I found it a little bit off-putting because the anger, to me, honestly sounded a little bit like insanity. It didn't really sound like he was angry. It sounded like he was kind of going crazy, which I, there is a difference there. I Just look at how The Miz cuts. I just want to keep it in the WWE because we obviously can go outside and see different like angry promo. But just look at The Miz and look how big he Two obviously very different people on the microphone. I'm talking about The Miz, one of the greatest on the microphone in the WWE at the moment. But when he flips a, a switch, you can see and it it, it it's palpable. It's like, wow. Like you could genuinely feel like, ah, this guy's genuinely angry. and he's re- Or he's like, yeah, he's really saying something right now, The Miz. Uh, maybe I should listen. Maybe I should turn up the volume because he's really saying something important. When Big E gets angry, it's it's more coming at you all at once. And that anger turns into more of like a craziness feeling, which maybe if that if that was what he was going for, it definitely delivered in that sense. But if I from what I'm trying to gather here, he was trying to go for more anger, and from what he said, he's going biblical on him now, meaning that he's gonna start going for eye for an eye, like he said. You know, he they hit you once, you hit them twice, all stuff like that. So, to me, it's it was sort of a give and take. And I just don't think he's, I still don't think Big E is ready for the top title. I still don't think he's ready for either the Universal or the WWE Championship yet. He's a good Intercontinental Champion, but I don't think he's ready for the up and up. And you you might yell at me for saying that, and I get it. I get it. Everyone, Big E's everyone's favorite. Big E was the favorite to win the Rumble. Big E was a favorite of all this stuff. If he didn't have the Intercontinental Championship, I get it. You know, people are ready to see him make his big push to stardom, right? I'm not yet. I'm not ready to see Big E to make that big move. I still don't. I know he's been in the WWE for a long time, but I just still don't think he's ready for the top title yet. I think he's perfect in that mid card right now, and he will progress. But for as it stands right now, I don't think he's just ready yet. Uh, looking back at that, the Big E return segment, uh, he calls out Apollo Cruz. Cruz doesn't answer. 
uh, and then a Biggie extends an open challenge. King Corbin, of course, enters, but Sami Zayn, in a, in a moment of delight, enters and cuts off Corbin and accepts the challenge instead of Corbin doing it himself, which I thought was nice because I think that was actually it could have been a kind of a rib or not for Corbin, but for us saying like, oh, so once again here comes King Corbin and an opportunity where you can just go and have a decent match and not progress in any way, but. Sami Zayn coming out, I thought that was pretty fun. Getting it, they getting right in front, cutting the line, if you will. And uh, Zayn was attacked by Biggie prior to the match, even though Biggie is the babyface. But you know, I guess he's angry now. Biggie versus Sami Zayn for the Intercontinental Championship. Sami Zayn was strong early on, but when in control, Biggie was calling out for Apollo Cruz, uh, showing like this is what I'm gonna do to you. Uh, Biggie picks up the pace and runs through Zayn's clothesline and connects with the big ending to win. Apollo Crews does attack Biggie after the match and uses the steel steps on Biggie to send him out of the ring. I love an angry Crews more than I love an angry Biggie. Crews is still using the accent, but I think I could figure out a way here to make this accent work. When he's calm and collected, he's not using the accent. He's more of himself. When he uses the accent, then he's more of like an angrier state. I feel like that could work pretty well for Apollo Crews, meaning like he's, his roots are maybe coming out of him or something like that, if that you could spin it in that way. I feel like you might be able to tell that story with Apollo Crews. I think that could be really, really fun for him, where he could just flip a switch and you sort of see uh, the what's inside him come out if, if you will so something that that he feels like he he finally wants to release and uh i feel like that could work out really well for for apollo cruz if he decides to go in that direction if not then obviously last week i really really trashed on him i i'm never going to deny his in-ring work he, he's a great talent when it comes to that i think he's extremely gifted in the ring and even in moments like this, I felt like he was extremely gifted when he wasn't on the microphone just yelling at Big E. I felt like I, I felt a little genuine. But looking at him on that promo work that he did, I, I'm not denying how well he did on the microphone. I'm just denying like a little bit too much too soon. Brought out the spear, brought out the 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 henchman, if you will, the militia, all that. The accent. It was a little bit too much for me all at once. Maybe that was why it was kind of stunning, and I still think it's still pretty ugly. But it it could be fixable. It could be fixable, uh, at least how how it currently stands. Moving on to, and that was the main event of the night. Uh, moving on to our main segment, if you will, uh, f- as it ended the show, the fast lane contract signing. Uh, this is between Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan for their match at Fastlane for the Universal Championship. Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, and Gio Uso enter the ring first, and Daniel Bryan enters through the commercial break. Reigns takes his spot at the head of the table, of course. Reigns refuses to sign the contract, saying Bryan doesn't deserve a title opportunity. Bryan just takes the contract in haste and turns the tables on Roman Reigns, no pun intended there, uh, and forces Reigns to sign in anger as Brian was getting underneath Roman Reigns' skin, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. Brian, when he, Brian on the microphone, when he's not reading off the script that WWE is giving him, he's great. It's just, for him, I think for whatever reason, when he gets a script, he kind of gets mixed up with what he's supposed to say. But he was getting underneath Roman Reigns' skin pretty well, saying like, well, hey, are you now that he literally flipped the tables on him, he signed the contract, forcing Roman Reigns, if he didn't sign it, 
and be like, well, am I, am I a wimp? Am I, not, am I not the head of the table? Am I not the person that's going to be able to take on anyone anytime? And he ended up signing the contract. But I think we love an angry Roman Reigns as well. Jay Uso tries to get involved. Once again, you know, grabs the microphone, starts screaming into it. But what I was able to gather is that uh, he wants to be the special enforcer for the match or the special guest referee. Edge enters and wants in as well. So next week, there's going to be a match between Edge and Jey Uso for the special enforcer spot for the match at Fastlane, uh, which is good because it's going to be Edge, and, and that is going to be a good build-up for WrestleMania. That's what Fastlane's for. You're on the Fastlane to WrestleMania. You get to see the stars that are going to be in WrestleMania, probably not in the same spots. Obviously, you're not going to see Edge reigns at Fastlane, but you get to see Edge in, in the special guest role. A brawl ensues, ending with Brian connecting with a running knee, not to Uso, not to Reigns, but to Edge. But to Edge. So Brian not making friends with anybody here. Not making friends with no one. Brian just wants the going lone wolf here. And running knee to Edge. Uh, I thought this is gonna work. I think it's gonna work out great for everybody involved. Because Roman Reigns is gonna retain the title. Edge is gonna either is gonna screw over Daniel Bryan, uh, probably because of that running knee. And then Daniel Bryan doesn't lose clean. Edge uh, makes it known that he wants to face Roman Reigns at Mania. And not turning Edge heel in any way. But making making it known like you're you're the guy that I'm going to go and face off against. And I think it's going to work out well for, for everyone involved. Everyone involved. Uh, this show, a little up and down for me. Especially in the middle with uh, the, the Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair stuff. Uh, I'm going to give this a C+. I'm happy with that grade, only because of uh, how odd things got in the middle, and uh, just just no reason for that, no reason, no reason for Reginald anymore. Uh, I I'm fine with him, on just put him on Raw, do whatever you need to do. I don't care. Him in in our truth, they could run around for the 24/7 after Bad Bunny lets it go after WrestleMania, whatever. Do whatever you have to do with Reginald. You know, he, he could be a love interest with Nia Jax. Just don't get them involved with Sasha. No one should be involved with Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. That should just be untouchable at this moment. But it seems like everybody has their hand in the pot. Everybody. So we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to be talking about some Impact Wrestling. Tonight is Impact Sacrifice. And I'm going to be going through my predictions. Make sure you stick around. Take notes. Call your bookies. Whatever you got to do. Because I'm going to be here with you giving you my thoughts on what's going to happen tonight. So stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on March 13, 2011, Sting defeated Jeff Hardy in just 88 seconds to retain the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. And you might ask me, Jaden, why was that match so short? 88 seconds, TNA World Heavyweight Championship must have been the main event. Sting, I don't think he's Brock Lesnar. That's not going to happen in 88 seconds. Well... The match was short because it turned out Jeff Hardy was in no condition to perform, but yet TNA went ahead and sent him out there in the main event of TNA Victory Road back in 2011. If you ever have a chance to go back and watch this match, please do. It's only 88 seconds, so you want. What you really need to watch is the entrance for Jeff Hardy because he's stumbling his way down the entrance ramp. He's stumbling his way in the ring, and it is just an absolute mess from Jeff Hardy's perspective. And also, it is a spectacle, I like to call it, from a fan's perspective, because you're watching, you know, we're all involved in professional wrestling, where everyone's under character, and you know, it's putting on a show. 
And once that show is kind of broken from that point, you sort of really can't look at it the same, especially when real life issues come into effect. Uh, in the case of Jeff Hardy, uh, Hardy was either drunk or high or both at the same time. Uh, Sting, Sting yelling back at the fans in anger at Hardy as well. Not really yelling at the fans, but pretty much telling the, fa- the fans were upset. And he's like, I'm upset too. <laughs> you know, I wanted to have a main event match. And uh, Hardy uh, being forced down on the mat for the pinfall, I feel like was probably the most heartbreaking moments of it because Jeff Hardy was he felt like he was going to have a full match, but he was too drunk to do so. So Sting physically pinning him down to the mat for the three count to retain the title in 88 seconds. So wild, wild ride in uh, 2011. And let's just take a look back to last year on this day, on March 13th, 2020. It was the first episode of WWE. It was a SmackDown in the COVID era. This was in the Performance Center, and it was a little bit of a mess of the show. You know, it, it, you, you were starting. You were starting in the middle of COVID. You had to go to the Performance Center in Orlando, and walk the razor's, razor's edge, and try to go through my favorite term, uncharted waters, and try to guide uh, your way through as as all the sports leagues were dropping like flies and. The seasons were ending, March Madness was canceled, but no, WWE forged on and never missed an episode. So uh, you got to give him credit for that, A for effort, uh, even though that show was very, very bad. But in in perspective, they still put on a show in the middle of COVID, and not in the middle of COVID like how we are now, in the middle of COVID when no one really knew what COVID kind of was and what it even meant to live in a time of COVID. This was, this was at a time when they were telling us, don't wear a mask because we need it for the medical professionals. Just stay inside. Just wash your hands for 20 seconds. You'll be fine. Now, if you go outside without a mask, you're going to get you. So always be careful. Make sure you stay safe as there, out there as well. Uh, we're currently going through, if you're paying attention to the NCAA tournament, uh, a lot of teams are getting struck pretty hard right now as we get closer and closer to March Madness that uh, it's starting to not look good for March Madness as a whole, to be honest with you. As, it, as we currently stand going forward. But make sure you stay safe and uh, the, make sure you get your vaccine if eligible. Moving on to our Impact Sacrifice predictions. Tonight, big show for Impact Wrestling. I feel like I say this every time when I talk about Impact Wrestling lately, but now they're probably one of the biggest times Impact Wrestling has been in quite some time, especially with the stipulations on for the main event, that main event being the Impact World Championship and TNA World Heavyweight Championship unification match between Rich Rich Juan, the Impact Champion, and Moose, the TNA World Heavyweight Champion. And uh, I'll get to that last. That is the main event. But starting off at the top of the card... Decay versus Reno Scum, and uh, obviously a little bit different between uh, the disparities of uh, uh, the two matches there. But I'm going with Decay here, given the fact that Black Taurus is once again in uh, Impact Wrestling currently at the moment, coming from AAA. And I feel like they're going to continue to give him victories along with Decay as Crazy Steve continues to do great things. Reno Scum, I just see no reason why they should win this match. They haven't proved anything so far, and honestly, they're, they're just kind of odd. Kind of odd. I, I know saying that neck about them, and they're going against Decay, and not saying that as well. But I feel like they're a little bit more odd than than Decay, if you will. But I'm going to go with Decay there. Uh, I, I don't know the exact order of these matches, but I'm just going from my least to, to most, if you will. 
So I'm going with Decay, the type of card there. Next match, Havoc and Nevea versus Neil Dashwood and Caleb with a K. So uh, I guess a, a type of mixed tag team match, except only one team is mixed here. Uh, I'm going with Havoc and Nevea. I also believe that they should be <laughs> Impact World Tag Team uh, Knockouts champions. And uh, I feel like that's where they should stand in the roster right now. Havoc and Nevea, they had some uh, disparities with Neil Dashwood trying to find her way into, uh, not that group, but trying to get Havoc to team up with her. But I think Havoc and Nevea probably have patched things up by now, at least by this point. So I'm going to go with Havoc and Nevea here. This is a tentative pick, however, as Neil Dashwood does have some talents, along with Caleb with a K being involved in this match as well. I wonder how much he'll get involved and how many bumps he'll take, but I feel like this is a great way to build up Havoc and Nevea by being able to pin Caleb with a K. Next match, Violent by Design versus Chris Sabin and James Storm. Uh, surprisingly here, I'm going to go with Violent by Design. I think they're one of the hottest things right now in Impact Wrestling. They're one of the reasons why people might stay to watch Impact Wrestling when uh, AEW talents aren't there. Uh, that is an argument that I think a lot of people can make, especially since a lot of people know the face of Eric Young. And I'm going to go with Violent by Design here also, just by how well their backstage segments have been going. Uh, I want to continue to see some type of... Uh, slight long-term storytelling in a sense of disparity between Diener and Eric Young. Not in a sense where they're going to break up anytime soon. I feel like that will come after the summer. If there is any type of breakup or maybe uh, you know the first pay-per-view after the summer, I feel like it will be around the time or maybe the summer itself. But right now, I feel like Violent by Design is currently standing in a strong foothold, at least in Impact Wrestling. And I think they want to see how far they can take it before they break it up because it still is kind of relatively new and they might even bring in a new member going on to the future. But that only happens when there's victories. Uh, Chris Saban and James Storm, nothing against them. I think they're great. But I'm going with Violent by Design here in this match. Next match, a hold harmless match, or pretty much a no DQ match. It's going to be Eddie Edwards versus Brian Myers. And I'm going with Brian Myers here, even though he did not want this type of stipulation for the match. I feel like he does win by a screwy ending over, over Eddie Edwards. Or he just picks up the victory just by using the rules that he kind of did not want the disqualification type rules to his advantage towards the back end of the match. Uh, Brian Myers, obviously the heel in this situation. And if he finds his way in that direction, uh, it wouldn't be any surprise. I'm going with Brian Myers here. Eddie Edwards, once again, he's had some great no DQ matches throughout his career. But as it currently stands, Brian Myers, obviously the newer guy. And uh, I feel like they're going to try to push him here, especially as a familiar face to a lot of the fans that possibly could be buying this pay-per-view. And for him to become over in a heel sense, I feel like that would be pretty smart for Impact Wrestling as well. And uh, to try to be as heelish as possible, Brian Myers, and be, even though he calls himself the most professional wrestler, he does something that wouldn't be as professional, if you will. Impact Knockouts Tag Team Championships. So right now I'm going through the championship list of this car. I believe uh, all five Impact Champions championships are on the line in this pay-per-view. Fire and Flava, the champions coming into this one, heading up against Jordan Grace and Jazz. And I'm going with a surprise here. I'm going with Jordan Grace and Jazz as the new Impact Knockouts Tag Team Champions. Jordan Grace has been absolutely on fire. 
And as long with Jazz as well, Jazz is able to pick up some victories as well. Fire and Flavor, I think they're awesome, but I think the time in the sun has burned off a little bit as it stands. I don't want to see them break up or anything like that. But Jordan Grace and Jazz, I feel like, really need this moment for themselves. Not only did they have a match at Genesis together, one-on-one, -on -one, that I thought was really, really good. Not only because it was like a match where they're still wrestling today. Like, they have so much respect for each other that they wanted to have a match against each other to see who was better. And now they're still continuing the tag team. So it's not like they descended or anything like that. I think that made them even stronger in my eyes and the eyes of the fans. I'm giving them this victory here and the Knockouts Tag Team Championships. Moving on to the X Division Championship, TJP versus Ace Austin. TJP, the champion, coming into this one, and I think he retains in this match. Uh, Ace Austin definitely looked great in the Super X Cup. Uh, he has been looking pretty strong as well, building up to this match. I feel like if the Super X Cup was automatically gave you a bid for the X Division Championship. I feel like he would have a better shot, but I felt like the luster of winning at Genesis, that X Division, uh, X Division uh, Cup, I think that now TJP sort of has a lot more momentum coming into this match, even though he hasn't really wrestled in a lot of matches, to be funny enough. But after TJP's match with uh, Chris Bay uh, and um, Raheem Raju, uh, I feel like TJP definitely deserves to hold on to this title a lot longer uh, than expected. The Impact World Tag Team Championships, uh, the Good Brothers versus Finjuice. Good Brothers, hands down, without a shadow of a doubt. Way too much skin in the game for the Good Brothers. This is this goes outside the ring in Impact's booking. This goes into AEW's booking because the Impact, much like I might obviously in a different context, but much like how. Bad Bunny runs around with a 24-7 title for the WWE to different places like the Grammys and SNL and every, anything that he does, he has a 24-7 title. It's literally like carrying around the flag of WWE. Same thing as it comes to the Good Brothers. They're carrying around the flag of Impact Wrestling as they go to AEW or wherever they need to go, uh, holding those belts. They're literally like, we, we are Impact Wrestling. We are the Tag Team Champions. Watch our show. That's literally what they're doing with those belts. Finjuice won't be able to do the same as that, given the fact that the connections uh, that Finjuice have towards AEW and the connections that the Good Brothers have towards AEW. It's, it's night and day. Good, Good Brothers go right hand-in-hand hand with the AEW champion, Kenny Omega. So you got to keep the belts on, him, on them, at least uh, as long as things go. And there really aren't a lot of other tag teams in uh, Impact Wrestling either that honestly deserve the title. Good Brothers do, without a doubt. Looking at the Impact Knockouts Championship, Deanna Perrazzo versus ODB. Deanna Perrazzo champion coming into this match, and I think she retains as well. I think this is a one-off match with ODB getting a final shot at the Knockouts Championship. If Perrazzo loses the belt here, I'll be extremely, extremely, extremely surprised, especially with all the people that Perrazzo has in her corner in Kimberly and Susan. Uh, it would make no sense to me for her to lose the belt at this moment, especially to ODB, who's just making her return to Impact Wrestling. It would be a, definitely a shock, I will say that. And may, I don't know if that shock would be a good shock, however, as um, for, for ODB to win the championship. As Perrazzo, you know, she, wasn't she the Impact Wrestler of the Year last year? And deservingly so. Not just knockouts, but wrestlers as a whole. So... I give her a lot of credit in what she's able to do in the women's division, especially after leaving the WWE and NXT. And now, really, that head of the women's division that uh, is 
going to need to start to be becoming a lot more respected in the eyes of the viewer. Moving on to our main event of the evening. Uh, once again, remember you can get this pay-per-view on Impact Plus. Uh, you can, I believe, and if you don't get on Impact Plus, you can get it on Fight TV as well. Uh, it's a little cheaper if you go through Impact Plus and you have an account. Uh, so there's different ways you can get through into it. But uh, looking at our main event, the Impact World Championship and TNA World Heavyweight Championship unification match between Rich Swan, the Impact World Champion, and Moose, the TNA World Heavyweight Champion. So if you've been watching throughout the past week, uh, I, at least when you were watching on Wednesday's episode when I was talking about Impact Wrestling, the go-home show, I didn't really know which way I wanted to go here. I know who I want in my heart. And at the same time, I'm not sure if they would pull the trigger on that, but I'm going to pull the trigger on it. I'm going with Moose here. I think Moose wins this match and holds both the Impact World Championship and the TNA World Heavyweight Championship at the end of this one. And then we'll go on to face, as announced, he will go on to face at Rebellion, Kenny Omega for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, or AEW World Championship, in a, in a title match there. I think Moose is more than deserving of it. No disrespect to Rich Swan. I think he has done a fantastic job carrying the Impact World Championship. And I think the Rich Swan Kenny Omega match will come at some point. But every time I talk about Moose, I bring up this match because not only did it impress me, it impressed me in a time where I felt like I wouldn't have been impressed by anybody else. In the match at Hard to Kill, Kenny Omega, the Good Brothers, taking on Rich Swan. Chris Sabin, and Moose, who was a late fill-in in that match. Moose stole the show. Moose in that main event, and honestly, the most important pay-per-view in Impact recent history, stole the show in a great way. In, in the, he, took, he had an opportunity at his hands. The day prior, he was not in that match. The day of, he was in that match. And what did he do? He made every single moment count. Every single moment count in that match. He taunted Kenny Omega. He did a Spanish fly. He impressed to no end in that match. That's why I think he is not only deserving of now the Impact World Championship and TNA World Heavyweight Championship, but to have a match with Kenny Omega. Now, if he's the one to lose it to Omega, I'm more than fine with that. I'm more than fine with, with Moose going out on his back like that. But he'll forever be in that record book as the person that had that match with Kenny Omega to be the one to drop the belt to him. I think he deserves it more than anybody else on uh, this roster for Impact Wrestling. He is so, so... I'm so, so high on Moose. And especially after Hard to Kill. He holds a special place in my heart, Moose, as someone that steps up to the plate. Steps up to the plate when it matters most. And I think he is definitely deserving and should be rewarded for his effort in Impact's new chapter of life with their alliance with not only AEW but New Japan Pro Wrestling. Moose deserves to be accredited. And that's why I am giving him that victory tonight. Make sure you check it out. I'm excited. And in our next episode, what are we going to be talking about? Impact Sacrifice. Duh. Of course we're going to be talking about Impact Sacrifice. And uh, I'll be going through the whole card. 
Uh, I'll go through both ABOC and BBOC talking about it, and I'll give you my full in-depth thoughts on tonight's show that I am genuinely excited about. And Impact cards, especially for these shows, they're pretty big cards because not only is there all of their championships being defended, but as well they have uh, four storyline matches going on as well. So you know, when they when they have these shows, they make them count. They make them count, and I'm excited to watch. So be prepared for that. And also, that's all for me on this episode. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.